2 Peter 3, 1 through 13. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. But they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the water that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Do you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we, we do open up your word this morning. Um, again, grateful and thankful to hear from you. Again, grateful and thankful that we have your very words in our hands right now at this moment. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you, um, you would be here in our midst and you would work in our hearts and in our lives um, and in us as a body, as a family this morning. And uh, Lord, I ask as well that you would um, use me to be your mouthpiece. Lord, um, guard and protect my words. Help my words to be um, exactly what you, you know that we need to hear. And uh, Lord, I do pray that um, I would not be a distraction, but that you, Lord Jesus, would be honored and you'd be glorified and you'd be exalted in our time now together. Um, thank you, Lord, for this time to gather together as brothers and sisters. And that we give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, we are in the middle of baseball season. We have two months left of the baseball season. I think this is my first baseball illustration all year, right? It's pretty good, I think. <laughs> we're, we're, we're on the, the final stretch of the baseball season, and it's been a fun year as a Twins fan. Uh, my Twins are, are doing well, uh, fighting for first place in their division. Uh, but I do know, and I apologize, I understand the Jays are struggling this year, aren't they? <laughs> they, they miss out on the postseason this year. But I will, I will say, you have some up-and-coming prospects, so that's a good thing. <laughs> so it's a tough year as a Jays fan, but May 30th, 2008, 
2007 was a particularly tough day as a Jays fan. You guys remember what happened on May 30th, 2007? On May 30th, 2007, the, the Blue Jays played the New York Yankees at Rogers Center. The, the dreaded New York Yankees, right? And they played the Yankees, and uh, it came to the ninth inning, and uh, the Yankees were up 6-5. to five. And the Yankees uh, scored another run as the inning progressed, and then ultimately got to the point where there were, there were two outs. Uh, there was a, a runner on second base and a runner on first base. And Jorge Posada of the Yankees was up to bat, and, and when, the, when the pitch came, Jorge swung and hit a, a towering uh, infield pop fly, headed towards the third base area. And so as you're supposed to do when there's two outs, you run no matter what, right? Crack of the bat, you're going. And so the second base runner, I believe it was Hideki Matsui for the Yankees, raced all the way around and, and came home before the ball even uh, uh, it happened to the ball, anything happened to the ball. Uh, and Alex Rodriguez was on first base for the New York Yankees. And A-Rod, as he's called, uh, his nickname, he, he ran, and as he was running from second base to third base, about in the same area where... Uh, the third baseman, Howie Clark, for the Jays, and John McDonald, the shortstop, were gathered together, watching the ball to catch it. A-Rod was running in the same area towards third base and yelled out, I got it! At which point, Howie Clark, John McDonald backed off, and the ball dropped to the ground. <laughs> and so the Yankees padded their lead and ended up winning 10-5, to much to the angst of Jay's players and fans, right? Distraction and loss of focus is costly, isn't it? <laughs> Distraction and loss of focus is costly. It's, it's true in baseball, and it's true in life as well. Distraction and loss of focus is costly. It's costly, and that's why we're reminded in our text today to stay focused. In our passage today that, that we just read, we'll, we'll walk through this here now, we see in our text that, that God is essentially reminding us to, to stay focused. And what he's reminding us is to stay focused, stay focused because the Lord will return. Stay focused, Jesus will return. Stay focused, Jesus is coming back. The, the day of the Lord will come. Even though, as we just read, there are, there are some who will say, he's not coming back. It's not going to happen. And so we see the reminder today to, to stay focused in our text. Stay focused. Jesus will return. And we see uh, in the text right away as we look at uh, verse 1 that, that Peter, who's writing this to, to uh, elect exiles, as we remember from, from 1 Peter 1, to, to Christians who are scattered abroad. He's, he's writing this to them as a reminder. And so this, this text is, is applicable to us as God's children, right? We're, we're God's children. We're scattered everywhere. And God's giving us these words to listen to today as well. And so God's telling us to, to be reminded. And, and what God's telling us to be reminded is to keep the Bible first and foremost. Keep the Bible front and center. Keep, keep the words of God right where they should be. 
And, and Peter's been showing us this throughout First uh, Peter and Second Peter. As we remember, our theme for uh, Peter as we've been walking through this, this series is stand firm in the true grace of God. And Peter's been, been reminding us, God's been reminding us that we're, we're people who are saved and redeemed by Jesus Christ. We're people who, who, who know life and salvation because of what Jesus has done for sinful people like us. That Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, that died in our place, the death that we deserve to die. And that when we surrender to him and submit to him and know life in him, we'll, we'll also then live different lives, right? We'll stand firm in the truth of God's word. We'll, we'll live holy and godly lives that please God, that walk according to what he's laid out for us in his word. And so Peter's continuing this reminder to, to stand firm in the true grace of God, to, to faithfully live for Jesus Christ. And the specific reminder here, as we look at verses 1 and 2, is to stay focused on the Word of God. Stay focused on the Word of God, even in the midst of all the, the chirping and the barking that's going on around us, right? To stay focused in the Word of God. I mean, we're, we're bombarded with all sorts of messages, aren't we, brothers and sisters? I mean, you, you can't even watch the news or read anything in the news without without picking up an agenda that's being thrown in there, right? Maybe we see, we see the same with our entertainment, with our movies and music and the books that we read. There's all sorts of agendas and ideologies that are tossed our way. We, we, we hear chirping and barking all around us as we live with unbelievers too, don't we? In, in our workplace, in school. We hear, we hear the agendas of the world of fallen sinful people all around us. And so we're to be reminded to stay focused on the Word. Stay focused on what the Word of God says. And this is a, a good reminder for us, brothers and sisters, is it not? To be people who are in the Word. We can only know what the Word says if we're consistently, constantly in the Word. And, and I know I need this reminder, and I, I trust that, that you do as well. To, to have that, that constant reminder that, that we are given God's very words to, to soak in, to absorb, to sit in each and every day. I'm reading a book right now called The Common Rule. And it, it takes the, it's a guy who's writing, kind of taking the old monastic uh, concept of having a rule of life uh, as we walk through life, uh, of having uh, rhythms and patterns that help us to um, faithfully live for Christ, to, to do well in our work, to do well in our walk, to, do, to, to rest. And uh, one, of the, one of the concepts that he puts forth uh, in there, which is a good one, is he said for him, one of his rules that he had to put into place was uh, don't pick up your phone. Don't pick up your phone until he spent time in the Word. And true for me, as it's baseball season, True for me. I find I can so easily pick up my phone in the morning and see what the baseball scores are or see what baseball news there is. But aren't we to be, aren't we to be people in the Word, brothers and sisters? Shouldn't our, our first uh, our desire in the morning be to battle sin, to not go and pick up our phone, to not go and turn on the TV, turn on the radio and have our minds flooded with messages and agendas that are contrary to God? 
but to instead begin right away with time in the Word, spending time in God's Word, soaking up His Word. I know Jordan finished reading a book too on called Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. And uh, it had kind of a tongue-in-cheek rule. They called it the NB rule. No Bible, no breakfast. And uh, I guess they, they kind of started initially just kind of as a joke in a way, but eventually turned into a pattern, into a habit that they found to be very helpful for them uh, as a family. Amen. We need, we need to be people who are constantly in the Word. Do you know that uh, George Mueller lived to be 92 years old? And we know all the time he spent with uh, uh, raising thousands and thousands of orphans. All the, all the time and effort and energy he spent t- caring for so many orphans. But do you know that by the time he died when he was 92, he had read through the Bible over 200 times. Isn't that awesome? God can do that. God can do that in us to be people that read the Bible more than we look at baseball scores. Amen? God can do that. So we see the reminder to, to be in the Word. And, and to be in the Word also means that uh, we, we are focused on what God's saying. And so that when we're immersed in the Word, that shapes, that shapes us. That shapes our, our prayer times even. You know, I was thinking as we, as we pray, one of the aspects of prayer is to listen to God as well. When we pray, we shouldn't just come to God with our wish list, with our honey-do list. We also come to God listening from Him. We're listening for Him and listening to what He has to say to us. And if we're not immersed in the Word, brothers and sisters, we're not going to be able to hear God's voice clearly, are we? If we're not immersed in the Word and we have uh, something come into our mind and we're trying to decipher whether it's from God or not, if it doesn't line up with the Word, it's not, it's not from God. And so the Word should shape, shape us. It's why, we, it's why we memorize Scripture. Amen? As we teach our kids already, we, we seek to be de- detectives in everything. We seek to be detectives in everything, to see what lines up with God's Word and what doesn't. The only way to know that is to know the Word. That's why we gather together on Sunday morning to hear God's preached Word. Amen? That's why we gather as, as community as brothers and sisters, to hear God's word uh, preached and taught so that we can faithfully live for Christ and so we can encourage each other, so we can, can give each other thumbs up when, when, when we see brothers and sisters living for Christ, and also th- so that we're, we're accountable to each other, to where if we're not doing well, we can have a brother or sister in love gently point their finger in our face and say, knock it off, right? The word of God. We're to be focused, focused on God's word. And we, we see in our, our passage too that the specifics that we see by, by being focused on God's word is that, as we'll see in verses one and two, that we see that God shows us in his word that Jesus will return. That Jesus will return. The prophet spoke of it, and because God said it, it's true. Amen. God's word says something's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so we're to stay focused, focused on the word, listening, listening to the word, not listening to the jabber around us. And this reminder is given to us as believers, brothers and sisters. It's given to us as believers, those who are different from 
from the false teachers that we saw last week. Um, it's given to us who are different from those who are the scoffers that we just read about in this text. Uh, we see right away in verse 1 that, that Peter writes, I am stirring up your sincere mind. Even this, this phrase, sincere mind, shows a distinction between those of us who are seeking to faithfully live for Christ versus those who are not. This, this sincere word carries this, this connotation of one who's been um, uncontaminated from the pleasures of this world. One who's, who's not uh, following, just simply following the ways of the world. But we see as we continue on, this is not true of the scoffers here, is it? So you look in verses 3 through 7, we see that the scoffers are those who are entrenched in the world. The scoffers who are, who are saying Jesus will never return, God will never uh, return, they're following their, their own sinful desires, as the end of verse 3 says. And now in many ways, if we think about it, it makes sense that, that these folks would be the ones saying that God's not going to return. That these would be the ones uh, assaulting the promises of God. Trying to, to, to say what the Bible does not say. Because those who are, who are living and, and, and just wanting to follow their own sinful desires want to do so without consequence, right? Those who are, who are, who are following their, their sinful flesh don't want there to be consequences for their sin. Don't want to know that, that there's the truth of, of, of punishment for sin. And so these, these people who are, who, are, who are speaking these things, they're the ones who are, um, who are saying that God won't return. They try to convince themselves so that they won't have to, to face punishment. But the brothers and sisters, when we see Scripture, the prophets that were spoken of in, in the first couple verses, speak often of the day of the Lord. Speak often of when, when God will return. And, and it's usually not in a good light. It's usually in terms of God's coming and pouring out his wrath and his punishment and his judgment upon those who are living wicked, sinful lives, following their own sinful passions, following their own evil desires. And so it makes sense that those who are doing so would want to try to appease their conscience, doesn't it? Sadly, those who, who want to try to uh, get away with uh, trying to, to explain away the truth of God so they can try to get away with their sin. But the Holy Spirit inspired men to, to write the Bible and put these truths on pen and paper. But these folks are saying that it's easier to live in sin. That it's easier to say that God's not going to intervene, as we see in verses 3 through 7. It's easier to, to lie that God's never intervened. And we see that, that these are the things we're going to come against in, in the last days. You see that, that phrase, in the last days. In, in the, the last days are, are considered those days when Jesus first came to when he'll return. So we're right now living in these last days where, where many folks assault the promises of God. And, and we see here the these specific assault that these people are, are trying to um, uh, proclaim is that God's never intervened. So because he's never intervened, he's not going to intervene now. But Peter addresses these specifically, doesn't he? We see in verse 5 that, that, that God shows that he did intervene, didn't he? 
he intervened first and foremost at the creation of the world. That God intervened by, by speaking his very words and everything came into existence. That the mighty, sovereign, powerful God intervened and, and created. We also see in verse 6 that God intervened during the flood, didn't he? That God stepped in and, and, and brought punishment upon those who were living wicked, sinful lives. And we also see in verse 7 that God will intervene when he comes and, as we see here, destroys the ungodly, brings, brings ruin upon those who are, who are not following Christ, brings ruin upon those who are, who are following their sin. So we see that God intervenes. He has intervened, and even now he's intervening much more than we can even count. But we see the promise of Scripture that he will, he will intervene when he returns He'll intervene. So even in the midst, brothers and sisters, of being mocked, that the promises of God are ridiculous, stay focused. He will return. Stay focused. His promises are true. And the God who who never lies says in the Bible that he will return. And he'll do it in his time, won't he? In his time. Verses 8 through 10 we see that God's, God's not on our clock. God's not on our clock. And this is a hard one for us, isn't it, brothers and sisters? We, we want things when we want them. We want to feel in control of things, don't we? We want to feel as though we have a say in what happens and when it happens. But what Peter's showing us here and what God's showing us is that we have a great God who who's not bound to time like we are. Peter quotes Psalm 90 to, to point to this fact that we have a, a mighty, awesome, awesome God <clears throat> who doesn't, who's not bound to time and who can step in time and out of time as he pleases. We could even say simultane- simultaneously as well. We have a God who's not bound to the clock like we are. We have a God who who, who will return, who will come in his time. And this, uh, what seems like slowness to us, is actually evidence of God's patience, as we see here. It's evidence of God's patience that, that, that many would come to repentance, that those who are his will come to repentance, that those who belong to him will repent and will live lives that are, are faithful to Jesus Christ. Now there's, continues to be often, it seems, like much uh, chagrin over the fact that the world's population is rising, just growing and growing. Brothers and sisters, we should say amen to that, right? We should say amen. There's more souls that need a Savior. There's more souls who can know life and hope and salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen? God's about saving souls. And his, his delay, what looks like slowness to us, is really his timing. He'll return. As we see here, he'll return, and he'll return when he wants. He'll return like a thief, won't he? He'll return in his timing. Even though we try to control time, he'll return in his timing. Think of this in terms of, I don't know about you, but 
moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, when you're trying to get out the door with little ones, it takes a long time, doesn't it? And you got potty breaks and shoes and things that are forgotten. It takes a long time to get out the door. God's working patience in me in that. His timing isn't my timing. But we know God works in his time, doesn't he, brothers and sisters? We heard just a great, uh, great story of that from Ahmad last night, too. It's so cool to hear how, how God provided the storefront for shelves of Omin for those who, who weren't able to be here last night. God, God provided that space right next door to the house of Omid for them at a great rate. God provided that. And, and when Ahmad was given the thumbs up by the landlord that they, they could move in there, um, he was told one date initially, but then had to wait four months after that time. And it was excruciating, wasn't it, brother? <laughs> But it was cool to hear how that was in God's timing. Because at the end of July, uh, Home Outfitters was going out of sale and, and uh, out of business and uh, was selling all their stuff. And, and it came down to the day where everything was gone. And Ahmad walked in, as he shared last night, walked in and uh, asked if they could, could have the, the shelves, the hangers, and all the, the coat racks, you know, clothes hangers, and all that stuff. And they gave it to them. It's in God's timing, isn't it, brothers and sisters? If he'd have been in there four months earlier, maybe that wouldn't have happened. But God had it all planned out in his timing. In his timing, he gets his work done. Amen? God's timing is best. He's not slow. He's patient. So stay focused. Jesus, Jesus will return. We see in verses 11 through 13 that we, we know the promise. We cling to the promise of Scripture that, that, that the day of the Lord is coming, that Jesus will return. And so in the meantime, we're to live holy, godly lives. Amen? To live, live in, in submission and surrender to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. To live confessing Him as, as our Lord, the one who leads us and guides us in, in every step of every day, looking to Scripture for how he, he wants us to live, walking according to His Word by the power of the Spirit in us. And also, we, we live holy lives knowing that the way we live matters, doesn't it, brothers and sisters? The way we live matters. I mean, we just, we just read here in our text that, that everything in this world will be dissolved, Right? Our, our, our cars, our homes, our boats, our retirement account, our books, our guitars, our pianos, our positions of authority, our reputation that we may have, it all dissolves, doesn't it? But what matters is how we live for Jesus Christ. That's what matters. And so God calls us here to live holy and godly lives. Live lives of submission to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Following him because that's what matters. Everything else will dissolve. Everything else will disappear. When we submit and surrender to Christ, we'll live holy, godly, 
obedient lives. And we see we're given the promise of being in the new heavens, in the new earth, where all righteousness dwells. By, by default, when we are, are, are following Christ and living holy, godly lives, by default, those who aren't won't be there, right? They won't be there. No more mocking God, no more scoffing at God. But we will live with God in the new heavens and the new earth, new earth where, where all things are, are perfect. No more pain, no more tears, no more hurt, no more sadness. We'll be living with Jesus forever and ever. This is promised to us in Scripture, brothers and sisters. Do we believe this? Amen. We're, we're so blessed that we have God's word. When we, when we reflect on these truths, it, it really um, makes us want to reflect on how we're living, doesn't it? Makes us want to reflect on, on whether our, our hope is in Jesus Christ and whether we are living faithfully for Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, I pray, I pray that, that we would together, uh, individuals, as individuals and also as a church body, as a church family, that God would, would chip off uh, the stuff that needs to be chipped off of our lives so that we would live holy, godly lives for Christ. Even in the midst of all the, the barking around us, let's be focused. Jesus will return. Amen? He'll return. The, the day after Emory was born, uh, Dad sent out an article, um, and I didn't get to read it until this past week because I was busy or something for a little while. <laughs> but it was uh, an article from... Uh, Desiring God. And uh, basically the gist, uh, Marshall, Marshall Seagal wrote it. The gist was that the greatest threat to our souls is anything that keeps us from God. The greatest threat to our souls is anything that keeps us from God. Anything that, that makes us to lose focus is a great threat to our souls, isn't it, brothers and sisters? So may we not lose focus. May we keep our eyes fixated on Jesus, the one who saves us, redeems us, gives us life, the one who gives us his spirit so we can live holy, godly lives. Because he's coming back. He's coming back to, to judge the world. And brothers and sisters, we don't want God's punishment and God's wrath for all eternity. We want to be living in the presence of God with all joy and peace for all eternity. Amen. Help us, Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your words. Um, Lord, we, just, we say thank you so much that you've given us your very words that we can hold in our hands, um, that we can know uh, the truth of what you say, that we can know who you are, that we can know what you've done for us in Jesus Christ, that we can know your Spirit in us, helping us to to, to follow you, to live for you, and to honor you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would keep us and hold us in the midst of all, um, all the distractions that are around us, all the, um, the voices and um, um, the people and the things that can make us lose focus. Please protect us and shield us, we ask. Please give us your spirit so that we're... Um, firmly grounded and rooted in the truth of your word, knowing that what you say is true, always has been and always will be. 
And as we come to this text, Lord, we look forward to that day when you will return. We look forward to the day when, when you will bring us home with you forever and ever and ever. And Lord, in the meantime, help us to faithfully live for you. Help us to shine for you so that those who, who are following their, their sinful desires might come to know you, might know freedom and hope in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, use us as your mouthpieces. Lord, use uh, the words that we say and the things that we do to shine for you. So, Lord, help us, we ask, to stay focused, to cling to your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.